chapter 10. The, the Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. This has been an awesome time reading through this with y'all. Um, I don't even know how many times I've been through this book, but like we've said in previous podcasts, uh, it's it's still it still deeply challenges me uh, to push into Jesus. And that's what we've wanted for people uh, during this time. This all started with COVID-19, uh, stopping our semester early this last school year. And... Uh, and we decided we wanted to dedicate ourselves to reading the Word first and foremost. But also, uh, we thought of this book because of how, like the title says, it pushes you to pursue God as you recognize His pursuit of you. Uh, so here we are in the very final chapter. And this one is called The Sacrament of Living. If you have already read the chapter, feel free to skip forward to 21 minutes, 41 seconds. Scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 10.31, and it says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do everything for the glory of God. One of the greatest hindrances to internal peace which the Christian encounters is the common habit of dividing our lives into two areas, the sacred and the secular. As these areas are conceived to exist apart from each other and to be morally and spiritually uh, incompatible, and we are compelled by the necessities of living to be always crossing back and forth from one to the other, our inner lives tend to break up so that we live a divided instead of a unified life. Our trouble springs from the fact that we who follow Christ inhabit at once two worlds, the spiritual and the natural. As children of Adam, we live our lives on earth, subject to the limitations of the flesh and the weaknesses and ills to which human nature is heir. Merely to live among men requires us years of hard toil and much care and attention to the things of this world. In sharp contrast to this is our life in the Spirit. There we enjoy another and higher kind of life. We are children of God. We, we possess heavenly status and enjoy intimate fellowship with Christ. This tends to, to divide our total life into two departments. We come unconsciously to recognize two sets of actions. The first are performed with a feeling of satisfaction and a firm assurance that they are pleasing to God. These are the sacred acts, and they are usually thought to be prayer, Bible reading, hymn singing, church attendance, and such other acts as spring as spring directly from faith. They may be known by the fact that they have no direct relation to this world and would have no meaning whatsoever except as faith shows us another world, a house not made with human hands, eternal in the heavens. Over against these sacred acts are the secular ones. They include all of the ordinary activities of life, which we share with the sons and daughters of Adam, eating, sleeping, working, looking after the needs of the body, and performing our dull and tedious duties here on earth. These we often do reluctantly and with many misgivings, often apologizing to God for what we consider a waste of time and strength. The upshot of this is that we are uneasy most of the time. We go about our common task with a feeling of deep frustration, telling ourselves pensively that there's a better day coming when we shall shed this earthly shell and be bothered no more with the affairs of this world. This is the old, sacred, secular antithesis. Most Christians are caught in its trap. 
They cannot get a satisfactory adjustment between the claims of the two worlds. They try to talk, they try to walk the tightrope between two kingdoms, and they find no peace in either. Their strength is reduced, their outlook confused, and their joy taken from them. Man. I believe this state of affairs to be wholly unnecessary. We have gotten ourselves into the horns of the dilemma true enough, but the dilemma is not real. It is a creature of misunderstanding. The sacred, secular antithesis has no foundation in the New Testament. Without doubt, a more perfect understanding of Christian truth will deliver us from it. The Lord Jesus Christ himself is our perfect example, and he knew no divided life. In the presence of his father, he lived on earth without strain from, the baby, from babyhood to his death on the cross. God accepted the offering of his total life and made no distinction between an act, between act and act. I always do the things that please him, was his brief summary of his own life uh, as it related to the father. As he moved among men, he was poised and restful. What pressure and suffering he endured grew out of his, uh, his position as the world's sin bearer. But uh, they were never the result of moral uncertainty or spiritual maladjustment. Paul's exhortation to do everything for the glory of God is more than pious idealism. It is an integral part of the sacred revelation and is to be accepted as the very word of truth. It opens before us the possibility of making every act of our lives contribute to the glory of God. Lest, lest we should be too timid to include everything, Paul mentions specifically eating and drinking. This humble privilege we share with the beasts that perish. If these lowly animals, uh, if these lowly animal acts can be so performed as to honor God, then it becomes difficult to conceive of one that cannot. That monkish hatred of the body, which figures so prominently uh, in the works of certain early devotional writers, is wholly without support in the word of God. Common modesty is found in the sacred scriptures. It is true, but never uh, prudery or, false, or a false sense of shame. The New Testament accepts as a matter of course that his incarnation, uh, that in his incarnation, the Lord took upon himself a real human body. And no effort is made to steer around the downright implications of such a fact. He lived in that body here among men and never once performed a non-sacred act. His presence in human flesh sweeps away forever the evil notion that there is, uh, that there is about the human body something innately offensive to the deity. God created our bodies, and we do not offend him by placing the responsibility where it belongs. He is not ashamed of the work of his own hands. Perversion, misuse, and abuse of our human powers should give us cause, uh, cause enough to be ashamed. Bodily acts done in sin, in sin and contrary to the nature can never honor God. Wherever the human will introduces moral evil, we have no longer our innocent and harmless powers as God made them. We have instead an abused and twisted thing which can never bring glory to its creator. Let us, however, assume uh, that perversion and abuse are not present. 
Let us think of a Christian believer in whose life the twin wonders of repentance and the new birth have been wrought. He is now living according to the will of God, and he understands it from the written word. Of such a one, it may be said that every act of his life is or can be as truly sacred as prayer or baptism or the Lord's Supper. To say this is not to bring all acts down to one dead level. It is rather to lift every act up to a living kingdom and turn the whole life into a sacrament. If a sacrament is an external expression of an inward grace, then we need not... I'm sorry. (laughs) If a sacrament is an external expression of an inward grace, then we need not hesitate to accept the above thesis. By one act of consecration of our total selves to God, we can make every subsequent act express that consecration. We need no more be ashamed of our body, the fleshly servant that carries us through life, than Jesus was of the humble beast upon which he rode into Jerusalem. The Lord hath need of him, may well apply to our mortal bodies. If Christ dwells in us, we may bear about the Lord of glory as the little beast did of old, and give occasion to the multitudes to cry, Hosanna in the highest. That we see this truth is not enough. If we would escape from the toils of the sacred secular dilemma, the truth must run in our blood and condition the complexion of our thoughts. We must practice living to the glory of God, actually and determinedly. By meditation upon this truth, by taking it over with God often in our prayers, talking it over with God often in our prayers, by recalling it to our minds frequently, As we move about among men, a sense of its wondrous meaning will begin to take hold of us. The old painful duality will go down before a restful unity of life. The knowledge that we are God's, that he has received all and rejected nothing, will unify our inner selves and make everything sacred to us. This is not quite all. Long-held habits do not die easily. It will take intelligent thought and a great deal of reverent prayer to escape completely from the sacred secular psychology. For instance, it may be difficult for the average Christian to get hold of the idea that his daily labors can be performed as acts of worship acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The old antithesis will crop up in the back of his head sometimes to disturb his peace of mind. Nor will that old serpent the devil take all this lying down. He will be there in the cab or at the desk or in the field to remind the Christian that he is giving the better part of his day to the things of this world and allotting to his religious duties only a trifling portion of his time. And unless great care is taken, this will create confusion and bring discouragement and heaviness of heart. We can meet this successfully only by the exercise of an aggressive faith. We must offer all our acts to God and believe that he accepts them. Then hold firmly to that position and keep insisting that every act of every hour of the day and night be included in the transaction. Keep reminding God in our times of private prayer that we may, that we mean every act for his glory. Then supplement those times by a thousand thought prayers as we go about the job of living. Let us practice the fine art of making every work a priestly ministration. Let us believe that God is in, that God is in, in all our simple deeds and learn to find him there. Accompanying the error which we have been discussing is the sacred secular antithesis as applied to places. It is 
little short of astonishing that we can read the New Testament and still believe in the inherent sacredness of places as distinguished from other places. This error is so widespread that one feels all alone when he tries to combat it. It has acted as a kind of dye to color, the thinking of religious people, and has colored the eyes as well, so that it is all but impossible to detect its fallacy. In the face of every New Testament teaching to the contrary, it has been said the it has been said and sung throughout the centuries and accepted as a part of the Christian message, the which it is mostly surely not. Only the Quakers, so far as my knowledge goes, has, uh, have had the perception to see the error and the courage to expose it. Mm. Here are the facts as I see them. For 400 years, Israel had dealt in, dwelt in Egypt, surrounded by the crassest idolatry. By the, by the hand of Moses, they were brought out, at last and started towards the land of promise. The very idea of holiness had been lost to them. To correct this, God had begun at the bottom. He localized himself in the cloud and fire. And later, when the tabernacle had been built, he dwelt in fiery manifestation in the Holy of Holies. By innumerable distinctions, God taught Israel the difference between holy and unholy. There were holy days, holy vessels, holy garments. There were washings, sacrifices, offerings of many kinds. By these means, Israel learned that God is holy. It was this that he was teaching them, not the holiness of things or places, but the holiness of Jehovah was the lesson they must learn. Mm. Then came the great day when Christ appeared. Immediately he began to say, Ye have heard that it was said to the ancients, but I say unto you. The Old Testament schooling was over. When Christ died on the cross, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Let's go. The Holy of Holies was opened to everyone. Get him, Big J. Who would enter in faith. Christ's words were remembered. The hour cometh when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall ye worship the Father. Mm. But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Shortly after, Paul took up the cry of liberty and declared, All meats clean, every day holy, all places sacred, and every act acceptable to God. The sacredness of times and places, a half-light necessary to the education of the race, Hmm. passed away before the full sun of spiritual worship. The essential spirituality of worship remained the possession of the church until it was slowly lost with the passing of the years. This was the natural legality of the fallen hearts of men began... uh, Sorry. Then the natural legality of the fallen hearts of men began to introduce the old distinctions. Hmm. The church came to observe again days and seasons and times. Certain places were chosen and marked out as holy in a special sense. Differences were observed between one and another day or place or person. 
the sacraments were first two, then three, then four, until the triumph of Romanism, they were fixed at seven. Mm. In all charity, with no desire to reflect unkindly upon any Christian, however misled, I would point out that the Roman Catholic Church prevents, uh, represents today the sacred, secular heresy carried to its logical conclusion. Hmm. Its deadliest effect is the complete division it introduces between religion and life. It teaches Its teachers attempt to avoid this snare by many footnotes and multitudinous explanations. Uh, I guess that just means many explanations. <laughs> <laughs> but the mind's instinct for logic is too strong in mm. practical living. The division is a fact. I'll let you continue. Cool. From this bondage, reformers and Puritans and mystics have labored to free us. Today, the trend is conservative circles, or so the, today the trend in conservative circles is back toward that bondage again. It is said that a horse, after it has been led out of a burning building, will sometimes, by a strange obstinacy, break loose from its rescuer and dash back into the burning uh, building again to perish in the flame. By some such stubborn tendency toward error, fundamentalism in our day is moving back toward spiritual slavery. The observation of days and times is becoming more and more prominent among us. Lent and Holy Week and Good Friday are words heard more and more frequently upon the lips of gospel Christians. We do not know when we are well off. In order that I may be understood and not be misunderstood, I would throw into relief the practical, act, uh, practical implications of the teaching uh, for which I have been arguing, namely, the sacramental quality of everyday living. Over against its positive meaning, I should like to point out a few things it does not mean. It does not mean, for instance, that everything we do is of equal importance with everything else we do or may do. One act of a good man's life may differ widely from another in importance. Paul's sewing of tents was not equal to his writing of an epistle to the Romans, but both were accepted of God and both were true acts of worship. Certainly it is more important to lead a soul to Christ than to plant a garden, but the planting of a garden can be as holy uh, an act as the winning of a soul. Again, it does not mean that every man is as useful as every other man. Gifts differ in the body of Christ. A Billy Bray is not to be compared with a Martin Luther or a John uh, Wesley for sheer usefulness to the church and to the world. But the service of the less gifted brother is as pure uh, as that as the more gifted. And God accepts both with equal pleasure. The quote-unquote layman need never think of his humbler task as being inferior to that of his minister. Let every man abide in the calling wherein he is called, and his work will be as sacred as the work of the minister. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. The motive is everything. Let a man sanctify, uh, sanctify the Lord God uh, in his heart, and he can thereafter do no common act. 
all he does is good and acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For such a man, living itself will be sacramental and the whole world a sanctuary. His entire life will be a priestly ministration. As he performs his never-so-simple task, he will hear the voice of the seraphim saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of, of the hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Lord, I would trust thee completely. I would be altogether thine. I would exalt, excuse me. I'm going to read that again. I would exalt. <laughs> Lord, I would trust thee completely. I would be altogether thine. I would exalt thee above all. I desire that I may feel no sense of possessing anything outside of thee. I want constantly to be aware of thy overshadowing presence and to hear thy speaking voice. I long to live in restful sincerity of heart. I want to live so fully in the spirit that all my thoughts may be as sweet as incense ascending to thee and every act of my life may be an act of worship. Therefore I pray in the words of thy great servant of old. I beseech thee so for to cleanse the intent of mine heart with the unspeakable gift of thy grace that I may perfectly love thee and worthily praise thee. And all this I confidently believe thou wilt grant me through the merits of Jesus Christ, thy Son. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 A.W. Tozer. The man likes $20 words, doesn't he? Yeah. We got through 10 chapters, and it's on this one that we struggled the most reading. I think so, dude. I think so. Do you guys want to give initial thoughts and then come back and give an overview? Do you have initial thoughts? How did this cut you to the heart? Yeah. Uh, I have three thoughts. I'm going to hit the first one. Um, we, we'll probably talk about the others because I think they're a little heavier. Uh, the first one is that I think th- this was the first chapter I ever read of Tozer. Kimmy... Hmm. Uh, listeners, my wife, she was just my girlfriend at the time. She was doing the Chi Alpha internship. Oh, they're married. Yep. Yeah, that's why she's my wife now. Jehovah Jireh. Yeah, you dang right. They had a wedding. Yep. <laughs> yep, it was great. Best wedding I've ever been to. Amen. Favorite one, too. Uh, anyway, back when we were dating, she was doing the internship. She asked me if I would read um, chapter 10 of the pursuit of God with her. And I was like, sure, whatever. But it struck me. And I remembered the, uh, I'm being distracted listeners. I don't know what's happening. Um, it struck me because I was like, oh my gosh, I do this thing. I, uh, separate, I divide my life into church and I divide my, between church and like job or church and work or, or, uh, Chi Alpha and, um, and whatever else I was doing. Here's the deal, though. I'm reading this over again for the whatever-th time, and I think I, like, never really got the point. I think that's just the milk of it. Mm. I think that's the most shallow part of it, is that, like, uh, I have to live a different way in church, or I have to act a different way in Chi Alpha or around my church friends or around my holy, quote-unquote, friends. 
and whenever I'm alone, then it's okay for me to do this. Like that, that can't, that that can't be that way. That is true. But if that's all you get from this, then like dig deeper listener, Hmm. because it's so much more than that. It's about, and like, that's what Tozer says as you read further is it's not just about like places. It's not just about, um, being in a holy place or like, sacred things it's about actually recognizing that everything you do do is holy and i think i stopped at the the first part Mm. um a lot where where i ended up just feeling guilty whenever i would be in church and like want to act a fool or i would like feel like uh i would make excuses like this I don't want to read my Bible today or I don't want to go and pray today because I already am going to church later or, um, or like, I don't, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to read because, because I've already read today in D group or, or whatever. So like, yeah, I had this division in my life, but I, I, I definitely stopped and like at, at some point it broke. I, I don't think I live that way anymore, but I think I like recognize now this stuff and I'm realizing it's like, man, I wish I could explain this better how much God has done in my heart mm. over the years yes. to, for like sent really since I've read this, that I'm just realizing how much I didn't understand it then mm. and how much like it is a part of my life now. And I'm super thankful for that. Yeah. So I guess I'm just saying like, don't stop at, Oh man, I can't, I can't be hypocritical because it's not just about hypocrisy. It's so mm-hmm. much deeper than hypocrisy. Amen. Thank you. Noah. Remember your other two things so you don't let those okay. go. Yeah. Sure. You got anything, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I think it's just, I think a lot of times I do separate of like, oh, I need to get this thing fixed really fast so that I can go. And since like we're full-time missionaries, like, yes. and so we do ministry. Yeah. And so sometimes I think about life in the way of, oh, well, I'm not going to, mess with this right now because I have to like it's which obviously he does point out things are do carry heavier weight in the kingdom yeah and more but like their usefulness I'm like oh I gotta quickly finish uh finish this what I'm doing so that I can go and do that Mm -hmm. but I'm not actually with Lord with the Lord when I'm doing this because I'm just focused on getting it done so that I can go and do the thing for the Lord rather than like just being with him in both places yeah um or like, I don't know if that really makes sense. I don't really have a solid uh, example other than just car stuff because I'm always working mm-hmm. on car stuff, and that's something <laughs> I've been doing a lot recently. Yeah. Yes. But like, oh, I just gotta, I just gotta like fix this thing in the car so that I can quickly get over there and like, yep, get back on whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Yes. That is actually like more ministry related. Yes. I missed the podcast because I needed to re-roof my house because a storm was coming. Yeah. And I felt awful about it. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm missing out on ministry because yeah. I have to re-roof my house. And like was really like felt a lot of tension. But you were closer to the Lord than either one of us because you were higher I than was us. higher. That's true. God yeah. is obviously in the sky, not down yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I'm saying off easy. It's about places. I'm with you, Kevin. Yeah. And so like... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen. I totally heard that in my headphones. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I smell that in my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get what I'm saying. 
<laughs> yes. You guys are done. <laughs> we both have red faces. Oh, no. Big old grins. It's got to say in there. Oh, man. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, um, I feel like um, just recognizing that the Lord... Like, whenever you missed it, like, it didn't mean that you have to miss out on the Lord. And that's really yes. what, what our life is meant to be, yes. is, like, finding communion with, with God, finding communion with Jesus. Yes. And, like, and you having to, like, set ministry aside for a little bit to go and take care of something else that you have to get taken care of doesn't mean that you have to set, like, communion with God aside. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that, I think that's really what... What I'm walking away with. Yes, I think it's even it's even sin to do that. Yeah, you know, to step outside of His presence. Like I don't know if I can. Like I don't know if it's like sin as strongly as some people use the word sin, but I know that it's missing the mark. I know mm-hmm. that it's not what God yeah. has intended yeah. for us. You know, like that to step outside of His presence because I'm doing a mundane task is like, yeah, I believe it's it's sin. You know, so and He makes a point to say like this isn't pulling the things of God down to some like lower dead level. It's elevating all the common things to be just as high as what our worship time in church would be, or just as high yeah. as what our time, quiet time reading the Bible would be. Um, not in usefulness. Like obviously those times are more useful in spiritual development, Yeah, but in, in worth and in value and in connection with God, it's yeah. elevating them to be just as high. Yeah. I think, yeah, man, just like we've been saying, dude, like, Every single chapter, I feel this way at the end of it. That's like, Lord, I know I've read this. And I know that I've said in my heart, oh, what a great teaching. And I know that I've even changed my life. I've repented in ways throughout my life of this. Mm-hmm. And kind of like what Noah was saying, I think I've repented in shallow ways at the beginning and then less and less shallow ways incrementally as I've grown more in the Lord and read this with a different perspective and with a different view and with more understanding of God's character. But I think that when I found myself repenting again and finding new things in my life that uh, of ways that like I, I have, I, I will forget this important thing. And so I think as I examine my own life, I think I can look at, I think I have examples of both recently, you know, like of times where I stepped outside of the Lord's presence because I was doing something mundane. But also, luckily, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for this, that maybe God is doing something, you know, that, that also can think of times where I've connected really deeply with the Lord and doing something really mundane. And that even as I'm hammering a nail or screwing a screw, that I'm just saying thank you to the Lord and thinking about Him and yeah. praying, you know, and like... Um, yeah, so I think that uh, I think that I'm just gonna leave it at that. Uh, I have some different feedback and stuff, but uh, I think we'll do our uh, we'll take a break and then we'll come back and give the general overview and feedback and get into stuff there. So we'll be back in just a bit. He can seal it, seal it for thy courts above. So we're back, uh, obviously from our long break, but really we we've, we've been talking about this chapter a little bit, and uh, and Noah had some good things that were on his heart and on his mind that he wanted to make sure that we talk about. Um, 
and hit. And I think that this chapter really is inviting you into a life well lived. It has a lot of uh, it has a lot of the the themes from all the other chapters previous. A lot mm-hmm. of them are kind of encapsulated here and mentioned here. Yeah. And he kind of brings them all together to show what a life well lived is. That the where your entire life is lived with God, not separated from Him. Uh, and where your entire life is a sacred and a holy thing, and your entire life is uh, is is practiced in a way that like it's all for God, and your motivations are corrected, and that, uh, and then also its effectiveness is then different too. Yeah, Kevin, how do I get this Kindle to? Um, there's a button on the bottom. Kindle. Usually, whenever you just swip, fling the thing open, so just somehow uh, it senses a light or something. So just throw it across the but, room. Yeah. Okay. Well, swipe, don't don't click the buy now. You swipe. Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, just, now you're in the store. I bought some books for Kevin. Okay. Hit click the home button. Oh, there, there you go. You found it. There we go. Great. Thank you, Kevin. Sweet. So, uh, do you want to go ahead and and get into the things that you had on your heart, Noah? And we'll kind of go off go from there. Yeah. Uh. I'm having trouble remembering all that I was thinking. So the first thing, the first thing that, yeah, the first thing I said in in the break, let's start there, was where he's talking about how, and I'm I'm looking for it now, um, that people that that people of God will err if they don't constantly remember that uh, that the Holy Spirit's with them, basically. Um, I can't, I can't find where it is. I wanted to read his quote. May, this is part of it. Uh, it is said that a horse after it has been led out of burning building will run back to the burning building, that part. And so in the same way, we, our stubborn tendency is to toward error. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And this error is specifically like to go back to separating Separating your life, going back into spiritual slavery is what right. he says. Yeah, right. So he he basically he, in another paragraph, I guess it's on page one twenty three. If you're in a real book or if your PDF has page I think numbers, everybody's pages can be different. We can meet this successfully only by the exercise of an aggressive faith. We must we must offer all our acts to God and believe that He accepts them. Then hold firmly to that position and keep insisting that every act of every hour of the day and night be included in the transaction. Keep reminding God in our times of private prayer that we mean every act for his glory. Then supplement those times by a thousand thought prayers as we go about the job of living. Let Mm. us practice the fine art of making every work a priestly ministration. Let us believe that God is in our simple deeds and learn to find him there. That reminded me of Psalm 1, Psalm the first one where uh, I should, really should have that memorized. Shout out to Wesley Scoggins. Made us memorize that way back in the day in junior high, but I don't have it anymore. Wesley Scoggs, I don't know you, man, but shout out. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to read Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That's like, yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. That's what's like striking to me about uh, what Tozer's saying is it's like the only way you're going to achieve achieve this if that 
your delight is actually in the Lord. And if you're constantly thinking about him and that yes. actually is the like pinnacle of your, of your existence is, yes. is living a life that honors God and being with him all the time. So here's what happens. The psalmist says, uh, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And then he goes on to talk about what happens if you don't live this way, but I want to talk about the tree. Uh, it really parallels a lot of what of what Tozer's saying in that people will get really, whenever he's talk, talking about the layman and whether the layman considers his works as, um, as righteous or considers his works as... Uh, uh, he, as important or yeah, as effective, right, right, and, and as opposed to the, to or in uh, comparison to, to, to the to minister, minister, right. Yes. So a layman is somebody who just has a regular job. Just right. in case you guys haven't heard that term, yeah. uh, and and the the opposition or the different person would be the minister that he's comparing it to. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the clarity. No worries. Um. So, this in the beginning of Psalms was a a beautiful book about like the way that a heart cries out to God and like so many truths and promises yeah. about how we interact with God and what he gives in return. And like, it's a very like intimate thing. And this is at the yes. very beginning Yeah, is if you live this way with God at the like forefront of your whole life and everything you're concerned about, if everything else is second to him, that you'll be like a tree that, is planted next to a stream that you always have the water that you need. Like you'll always, and and you'll be firmly rooted and you won't be moved around. Like he talks about the wicked in the next few verses that just gets blown around by the wind. Uh, You'll be immovable and you'll yield your fruit in season. You'll be fruitful. You'll have a fruitful life in season. Like it'll, it'll just happen. Like the tree isn't constantly, Maybe I'm reading into this a little bit, but like trees just aren't always dropping fruit. Like sometimes it's a a time of like of of fruitfulness and like especially for people that aren't like devoted ministers. Like for us, I'm trying to be fruitful as much as possible, but I can't just like flex my biceps real hard and have like fruit come out of my life. Like it it happens because of the way that the Lord the Lord makes it happen. Anyway, uh it's it's leaf doesn't wither because it's really taken care of by the stream. Um whatever they do prospers. Mm. That's like a really important promise to me mm-hmm. is that especially whenever we're talking about the sacrament of living and the dichotomy between doing sacred things and normal things or secular things and religious things or the, what this whole chapter is about. The promise here is whatever you do prospers, not just ministry stuff, not just when I'm praying for someone on the street or whenever I go to church and want to hear a good sermon, like when I'm mowing my lawn, it'll prosper. When I'm working on my roof, it'll prosper. When I'm replacing the steering column in my, or or the steering rack in my truck, Kevin, like that will prosper. And it did prosper. Amen. So, and Kevin did flex his biceps really hard for that. No doubt. (laughs) Just want to make sure that. Anyway, I just thought that this Psalm, especially the beginning of of Psalm 1, like really, paralleled everything that Tozer's saying really well. For so. sure. 
for sure. Thank you, Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Yeah, I really like the, uh, out of the snippet that you read, Noah, it talks about a thousand thought prayers. Mm. Uh, and I think that when, when Paul says uh, that he, he, he instructs people to pray without ceasing, uh, I think that this is what he's trying to get them to, is something like this where like they live in what Tozer would call the, the sacrament of living, like where everything that we do is all with God and for God and our yeah. motives are being purified the whole time. Like, yes. like because we can do, like the thing, Jesus called it out all the time throughout the Gospels, but we can do good things with wrong motives. And our, our reward is then, if we did something to get something for ourselves, then we've received our reward in full. Yep. But if we do things with the right motives, then like our treasure is in heaven, right? And it purifies what we do, and then God's able to bless what we do as well. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, our, but motives are such a tricky thing, right? And he, he even, he gets down to motives, right? And uh, he says, it's not what you do, it's why you do it that really is, is, yeah. is that important. Uh, that was a, um, I'm going to read that section just a bit. It says, the layman never need think of his humbler task as being inferior to his minister. Let every man abide in the calling wherein he is called. So whatever God's called you to do, if it's not a minister job, abide in it. Yep. And his work will be as sacred as the work of the minister. It's at the end of the chapter. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. The motive is everything. Let a man sanctify the Lord God in his heart, and he can thereafter do no common act. All he does is good and acceptable to God yeah. through Jesus Christ. For such a man living itself will be sacramental and the whole world a sanctuary. His entire life a priestly ministration. Yeah, yeah I think uh I think yeah, seeing seeing motive in this is important. And I think that even uh the thousand thought prayer life where like everything you're doing, you're doing with God and you're praying and you're laying your heart before God and you're even telling God, like I know my motive could be off here. Like God hears that and God answers prayers and God will purify you. Yeah. And he really will like, he'll make you a man like David after his own heart. He'll, he'll make you a man, uh, a man even greater than David. He'll make you more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like who, who you'll end up only doing the things that you see him doing, the father doing. You'll end up only saying the things that you hear the father saying because yeah. you have this thousand thought prayer life yeah. where the whole time you're just communing with God and speaking to God. Yeah, I really like that. That's that's the pray without ceasing mindset. Man, so if I'm supposed to pray without ceasing, uh, then I never really have to get away with God because I'm always with God. Yeah, and let's throw out Easter as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, Play a devil's advocate. Yeah. So. No, so so those are those both kind of have they share the same thing. So yeah. like if my whole life is a sacrament and I'm always praying, then that means I never have to go get away and pray. Yep. But Jesus certainly went and got away and prayed. Yeah. Yes, but he, he certainly also was always speaking with the Father. Yep. Yes. But there was something different about the set-aside time to go and be with the Father. Mm -hmm. So he did that. And, and the same way, every day is Easter for me in a way. Yeah. Like I, I want to think of the cross and have it on my mind every single yeah. day. Mm -hmm. but, but I also will celebrate on Easter Yes. Uh, and celebrate like this... This is the this is the the commemoration of what Jesus did, where all of us together are stopping and thinking of this this thing that Jesus did and what makes him uh, what makes him so good, 
Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. And so it crosses over into locations as well. Like, because the same thing would be said about, um, well, if if he's avail- available to me anytime, anywhere, then yes. I don't need to go to church. Yes. I don't need to go somewhere to get it. And it's absolutely right. You yes. don't need to go, but you do need to go and be in community. Like, and you yes. do need to go and, and yeah, be you with need to people. you need to be the church, but you also need to go to church. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you're really going to be the church, then you've got to go to church, Absolutely. right? And Absolutely. and everywhere is an altar for me. Like, I'm going to commune with God everywhere that I go. Uh, but I also there's times where I will go down to the yes, front of the church, at the altar. where those steps are, and have someone pray with me there. And yeah. that's that's not that's not. That is cheapened if that's the only place where I commune with God. Yeah. And now that's really what he's getting to because really that's where a lot of us are in danger of going. That's what he's trying to say is like if the only place where you go to get right with God is at the altar at your church, then you're missing the whole point. Right. You're like the horse running back into the burning building. Yes. Yeah. But you can go down to that altar and be free there and have someone pray for you there, and that's great. But you had better be going to the altar everywhere that you're going. Mm-hmm. Every every moment where you have time to think, like let your mind go back to the Lord where you have free time to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let your mind be in an altar situation where you're yeah. laying yourself down before God and, and asking Him, like, will you purify my motives? Will you help me with mm-hmm. what I'm doing today? Mm-hmm. Let, it, let it all be for you and your glory, Jesus. Yep. You need to ALT. E-R, all the time. That's right. Alter your life. Yep. That's right. Um, Yeah, I think that's really good stuff. Uh, I think that that is, this is is the secret sauce, right? (laughs) I don't know if there is a secret sauce. I feel like it is. I don't know if there is a secret sauce, but if there is, man, it's like, this is the thing that I'm always trying to get people to, and it's so hard to explain. That I'm like, man, you can just just be with God. And they're like, I think I'm with God. Just be with God all the time. And they're like, yeah, 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 I go to church. They're like, God's everywhere. And I'm like, he is. He is, but like, are you really with him like yeah. that? You know, because yeah. what Jesus says is on the day of reckoning, many will cry, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. It's only those who do the will of my Father. And they'll point to, we cast out demons, healed the sick, prophesied in your name. And we may, we may have talked about that in this podcast already. I can't remember. But, uh, but he'll say, no, depart from me, evildoer. I never knew you. Uh, it's only those who do the will of my Father. Right. And so, yeah, like, the, this is the thing we're trying to push people into is like, are you, are you really interacting with God? You know, like there's something deeper and it's more than just the acts that you do. Yeah. Uh, you can have a, a good list of like, these are my good acts. But if you, if you never push into intimacy with Jesus, where he actually knows you and you let yes. him know you, and if you never push in to actually like know him in a way that you see his will, his will, not yours, where you're not using the religious lifestyle to get what you want. Or where you're not sprinkling a little bit of Jesus into your life. Or you're not praying the person that you can have a ticket into heaven. But that you're you're actually like trying to discern what his will is and yeah. go act that out. Like there's yeah. a difference in there. And I believe that like really the biggest step in it or the first step or maybe all of it is encapsulated in this right here of like every moment of your life being given over to God. Yeah, so. offer your life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Right. Then you'll be able to test and approve That's what right. God's will is. Living sacrifice, the sacrament of living. Yep. So the Romans 12, it's good. Yep. It's really good. And then you'll be able to read read Romans 12 and look think about how we talked about it last week, last time last podcast or no, it was actually chapter 1 then. But anyway, talked yeah, about dude. like if you read read chapter 12 and live chapter 12 
of Romans, it would be in- incredible if you read on through there. But yeah, they, that's not attainable if you don't offer, like, live in the sacrament of living. Yeah, like it all about. starts with giving everything over to Jesus. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's yep. good. I was even just thinking just now, because um, it really all does come back to motives. Yeah. Um, and it all comes back to, uh, he, he talks about what you just read, whether his work is sacred or secular is... Uh, it is not what he does that determines that, but why he does it. The mm. motive is everything. Yes. And even just thinking too of like, well, what is the what is the correct motive? Because I think if I'm doing something selfishly, that's obviously the wrong motive. Yes. But then if I'm doing something generously, which has like a Christ-like connotation to the motive. Yeah. But I think it can even still be not even still the right motive. For sure. As far as like, I do you have any any thoughts on like what you mean? Like, I'm gonna bless this person because that's a, a Christ-like thing to do, but also that's gonna get me Christian points. Yeah, yeah so, I guess. So can I can I try to differentiate some stuff? Real yeah, quick? please, please bring clarity. So I think so. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna differentiate. I'm gonna try to like understand what you're asking. Yes. Are you asking about the person who does what kind of what Noah is saying? That's like. I am doing an apparently selfless thing, but there's still a selfish motive in me somewhere, meaning I'm going to give money or I'm going to pay for someone's meal or I'm going to do something for the poor, but I'm going to do it in a way that I'm sure that I'm seen so that I can receive a reward or Christian points from somebody. Or are you saying somebody who is genuinely doing something selflessly and it's it's for the person but maybe their motive still isn't God Himself. Yes, I think the second one okay. that you can still mm, okay. miss, you can still miss God. Yes. with yeah. good motives. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And so I guess I just wanted to. You can have good motives, not great motives. Okay. Yeah, mm. I think I think that yeah. may be the that may be the way to say it because That's like really good. because really like I think Kevin is on to something. There's sometimes I believe that people are genuinely thinking of others, but and and thinking of others is a great start. Selflessly living is a great start, mm. but others can't be the number one motive. You actually have to hate the closest people to you mm. if yeah. you're going to follow after Jesus. You yeah. have to hate them, is what he says. And what he's—we probably talked about that already, I think. Yeah. But 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 really, but really, it is. It's like you have to hate them so that like God is the number one motive because because there's going to be times where God's will is pushing us into something that is apparently hurting other people, like. And from an outside way, or even if we believe, man, this is the best thing to do, somebody else is saying, no, what you're doing or what you're saying is hurting me, right? But it's like, no, but like my number one motive is like I'm trying to please God. Yep. And I do want to please you if, if that's a, if that's a, a, a lucky byproduct, mm-hmm. but that's not why I'm doing it. I can't do it for you. Yep. Yeah. So that, e- that even makes me think of like David in the ark of like he talked to good. talked to the people and if it's like if they thought it was a good idea he'd bring the ark. Yeah, it was good before people. Oh yeah, yeah and before God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then so and the story that Kevin's referring to is when David brought the ark of the covenant into Jerusalem. And if you're if you're familiar with this story, if you grew up in church, you may remember this because it seems unjust. Because a man named Uzzah, they're, they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem on a cart, and a man named Uzzah reaches out his hand to stable it, and Uzzah struck down dead. Uh, and it, and it, you're, you're, at first you're like, man, this is unjust. And even David was like, man, that's messed up. He was mad. He's, he was angry is what the Bible says. Yeah. He left it in the house of Obed-Edom. So then Obed-Edom's life is blessed because the Ark of the Covenant is there. So then it becomes apparent that the problem wasn't the Ark. The problem was David and the way he was doing things. Yeah. 
and and he was doing things in a way that all seemed good on the outside. Yep. Like, why is this a bad thing? He's bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the capital city of the people of God, Jerusalem. Yep. It all looks great. But because David thought about people before he thought about God, yep. he was doing things out of order, out of God's order. And if he would have thought about God, he would have remembered the law and the way that it, the law said to carry the Ark of the Covenant. There was a new cart that was made for the Ark of the Covenant because carts weren't the way that, they're supposed to be, that it was supposed to be carried. And so they had to make a new cart. And so if he would have been thinking of God, he would have thought of that law, he would have known the word. And if he had read Psalm 1, he would have been meditating on God's word. And then his life would have been would have been blessed, right? No doubt. Or blessed, or however you want to say that, you know. Um, or Buzzo wouldn't have died. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because <laughs> so, it, it wouldn't have fallen over. That's so right. Yeah. So sometimes when we set out to please people, we end up killing people. Yeah. That's tough. It's real tough. We have to set out to please God. That's the only thing that brings real life to this earth, yep. setting out to please God. Yeah, so I just wanted to even clarify just some motives of like, what is the correct motive in, yeah, mm-hmm. so I think that brings clarity. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Man, and this 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 is what, I wish we could just somehow, like, I feel like this stuff is what is so deep that I'm like, how do we how do we lead people into like really putting their motives before God? Because mm. we play all these little games, we play these religious games, you know. We play games even in our own selves, mm-hmm. and we deceive even our own selves. Mm-hmm. And we say, "You are such a high and mighty person. Like, look at how good you are. Look at all these religious things that you do." Like, mm-hmm. but in that, your motive was to build yourself up, right? Like, there's like, it's this this is the one that's so hard to really like to really lead people into it's almost it's almost like they just have to read the word and know jesus themselves and when they see themselves juxtaposed with jesus is when all his light shines on all of this and this this is when all of this becomes apparent to them there's almost no shortcut there's no like step-by-step process that i can lead somebody into and say well if you think about this and consider this and logic 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 it's like you can hear all of that, mm-hmm. but you're you, but you can walk away from all of those conversations still deceiving yourself into thinking that your motives are pure, but your motives are still to either, to either do something for yourself or they're too about others and they're not enough about God. I know a story about someone whose motives were changed very quickly whenever she met Jesus. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I'm lost. Completely talking unplanned about a, segue. Talking about a, a woe man at a well. <laughs> well, I would like to come and see this man. <laughs> Why? Because she told you come and see? Yeah. Every- he told her everything yeah, sh- she yeah, ever yeah, did. Yeah. So, yeah, we can segue into that if you want. Well, I-, I mean, it's what you're talking about is her motive. She left her water jar. Like, and she realized she had met the seventh man. And I, I think we can explain all this. But that's what I'm saying is that, like, you're talk her motives in life generally changed whenever she met Jesus. Yes. You know that I was listening to AFR yesterday and nope, day before yesterday, and I never listened to AFR, but they were talking about Cornelius and what happened whenever he had an angel tell him that it's either is it Peter is gonna come to his house or Paul? Either one. It's Peter. But, okay, it's yeah. Peter. And like Cornelius doesn't know anything. He's a Roman uh, centurion. He feared God, though. Right. Yeah. But he doesn't know. He doesn't even know what Peter's about to come and say or anything. Yeah. He doesn't know. But he still invites everyone 
he knows to come into his house. Y'all got to hear this. Yes. I don't know what he's about to say, but y'all got to hear an, this. But an angel is his opening act. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that when people, when you're saying when people like encounter God themselves and yeah. experience in themselves, like it, God does the explaining. He does the, the, yes, he bro. does this Come whole, on, dude. lean not on your, on your old, own understanding thing. <laughs> You're doing it, Noah. He's Rocky Balboa right You're now. You're <laughs> doing it. Keep doing it. <laughs> it's this lean not on your own understanding thing. And like, obviously there is this leap of faith thing. But like. Leap of faith is great. You can trust fall into God. Let's go. Cross so. your arms, close your eyes, say your prayers and fall back. That's right. His his biceps are strong. He will flex his, he will flex his biceps and you will get wherever he wants you to go. Yeah. So here's what she didn't do. She, so she left her water jar. All all of her motives are changed. All of her all of her needs are met. She doesn't even need water anymore because she has Jesus. And he yeah. told her that was going to happen. He was yeah. like, hey, you ain't never hey, gonna listen, be thirsty. you'll never be thirsty again. So she takes off into her village. And her village is blessed, but she didn't set off to bless her village. She set out to, like, bear witness to the goodness of this Jesus. Yeah. And she didn't go and say... Like, listen, I found the Messiah, and let me, like, I'm going to give you guys a uh, a, a 50-point uh, bi-weekly lesson. If you guys will come back, we'll just make this a year-long series, yeah. and uh, and I'll convince you on why this man has to be the Messiah. Yeah. She went and she said, come and see for yourself. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever yeah. did. Could this be the Messiah? Yeah. Right? And so I believe we've mentioned her before, but her theology wasn't even perfect yet. Nope. Like she was, but she was like, just come see him. And then when they came and saw him for themselves, what they said is, at first we believed because of the woman's testimony, come and see him and he told me everything I ever did. But now we have heard you for ourselves and now we believe. Yeah. So if we can just bring people to bear witness to Jesus themselves, this is what is so frustrating for me. I don't know how you guys feel with our job, but like, so our job we're as missionaries is we're trying to introduce young people, college students to Jesus. Yeah. And like, man, there's times where students, I believe, will be so close. And there's also times where students, I know that they're just caught up in religious stuff and they think they know Jesus, but like their life is bearing no witness to the fact that they know Jesus. Yeah. And, and even their passion for Jesus is bearing witness to the fact that they, they know a version of Jesus or they know, they know some stuff about Jesus, but they, they, they don't know him. They don't have a relationship with him. And maybe, yeah. maybe they're not letting themselves be known by him, you know? Right. And like, you know, you're asking these questions and you're trying to this and you're trying to that. But it's like, man, if you would just meet him, yep. mm. things would take care of themselves. You would yep. fall in love in a way that you've never fallen in love before. Yep. Yeah. And your whole life would be different. And church, and you, you wouldn't have to come to Monday night service to get your fill. And you wouldn't and you wouldn't walk into a different church thinking, oh, this is doesn't meet my preferences the way that Chi Alpha does. That gets mm. on my, uh, sorry. Ooh, it does get on my nerves. I just, I just pop my... That was his tooth, you guys. My tooth, pretty good. Oh my god! But that does that that does get on my nerves. Um, and and the thing is, it's like we're trying to push people into Jesus in a way that like all their preferences, yeah. everything, everything that they think that they love, mm-hmm. uh, it all pales in comparison uh, to Jesus and the experience that they have with Jesus themselves. Yeah. You know that they wouldn't have to come to a service or a D group or a uh, prayer night or worship night, all those things we mm, do yeah. because they're great and Jesus is worthy of them and we love to come together and worship him. But mm. there's something when you're by yourself mm. with, that you have like the separated I'm just with Jesus time. Yeah. There's something when you're uh, when you're not even by yourself and you're just doing 
the common things of life, where you're washing your dishes or you're vacuuming your floor or you're at your workplace. There's something to those times that you can share in something with Jesus that those other things that I just listed off mm-hmm. that are the known holy things, they're obviously holy. Mm. Those are just supplemental to what you really have with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think that if this is the the actual core focus of an individual Christian's life, then just being honest about the way that I've done discipleship, I think I've explained Jesus away mm. where like I've really said too much mm. and and tried to tried to do the um we're gonna have a bi weekly talk about mm-hmm. how to live a Christian life and this is the way that this happens. Let me convince you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and what I've actually ended up doing and trying to do the best right thing is I've cut in on what they are actually going to experience whenever they're di- actually discovering the Lord with themselves. Like, mm-hmm. And there's a, obviously a fine, a razor's edge there, like a fine line to, to walk on between, or maybe it's not so fine. I'm just thinking that I've done it wrong before. Yes. And I want to, like as a discipler, um, I want to teach people how to think, not just teach people yes. what to think. I don't want to... Yes. I want to teach people how to discover God, not like just be a tour guide of God. Because yeah. like I'm gonna be an awful tour guide, you For know. Sure. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I feel a little bit, a little bit like repentant about mm. that. Like yeah. I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to cut in on someone's walk with God by like trying to fulfill like this discipleship minister's agenda. I want to lead people into obedience and just yeah pursuing the Lord for themselves. That's good. So, so we're going to go, we're going to continue on this tangent, just one more question, and then we'll come back to mm. the the direct implications of the, the chapter. Mm. But I want to ask you guys, how will people see Jesus? How can we help them see him? How will people see Jesus? As in like, what's, What's it going to take for them to see him? Or when they see him, how will they see him? No, no. What's it going to take? By, okay, got by, you. by what way will they, will they see him? I think if I, if I look like Jesus, they're going to see Jesus. That's good. If I live a life that looks like Jesus, Jesus' is life. Cool. So then, so then when you're in front of them, you need to look like Jesus. No. Okay. What do you mean? Because if I'm just living like Jesus whenever I'm in front of people, then mm. what I'm discipling into people is... Is this is very thing that he's trying to get people out of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So how will people really see Jesus? On that note, there's other notes, but how will people really see Jesus? It's whenever I... I mean, maybe I'm... It's whenever I always live like Jesus. Yes. I you feel personally. Like may, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's one level. And I think that for the people that we're discipling, that's probably the basic and maybe the most important level. Mm-hmm. Is like if nobody else is living like Jesus in their life, I'm going to try to the best that I can. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to live like Jesus in front of them. And that means all the time. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and 
that means that I'm going to live out the sacrament of living, that all the time, whatever I'm doing, whether eating or drinking, everything that I do, nothing is common, everything is sacred. And in that, like, they'll see a power in your life that is different. Now, what I believe is also important is this. You, you can do the best that you can, but you are part of the body of Christ. Yeah. Uh, and so there also needs to be other people around you living out. Uh, did you see it? What? Nothing. <laughs> there, oh, no, no, no. Sorry, this is from the joke. There needs to be other people living out the, bo- living out the life of Christ uh, around you that are not just you. Yeah, because the people yeah. that you're discipling don't need just Jesus from you. They need Jesus from everybody. Like yeah, Jesus, they need the body. Jesus says yep. in John 17, the way that they will know that I'm sent from God is if that you all are one. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be one together, and we have to be operating the way that God has called us to be. And so that's why, like, doing it in community and being the church is so important. And that's why sorting through all the mess that it is to be in relationship with other people, like. And, and I want to encourage you, whoever you are listening, if you're following Christ you're gonna, and you're doing it alongside of people, those people are just as imperfect as you are, and you're going to have to put up with a lot of their mess if you're going to be able to follow Christ alongside of them. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to tell you that you have to do it. You don't have a choice if you're going to really follow Jesus and if you're mm. going to affect this world. Mm. You, have to, you have to find your place in the body of Christ, and you have to fight for unity because that's the way that the world will know that Jesus was sent from God. Yeah. So, so it's you living it word? out, sacrament of living. It's also you alongside of others living it out, sacra- sacrament of living. Another thing that I would add to that, I think this could be a much longer conversation, but I'm going to add real quickly. I also believe it is we have to push people into uh, alone time with Jesus. Yeah. And that might be uncomfortable for you, but you're going to have to get over it and dig in. You're going to have to figure out what it takes for you to connect with God when it's just you and him. Like, we can live it out in front of you, and we're going to try our best, and we're going to fail in some ways, but we're going to try our best, and hopefully God's going to use it. Not hopefully. He is going to use it because he is more powerful than any one of us here, and he's going to make it happen because he's so good. You're dang right. But then what's going to happen after that is you have to find within yourself a way to live the sacrament of living yourself to where everything in your life becomes for God and about God, to where your motives begin to get purified. You have to lay everything in your life down before Jesus and say, it's not about me at all. It's all about you, Jesus. And then you have to go find what that is with Jesus for yourself. Go find what it looks like to really commune with God. And I think in that, that's where people will, they'll meet Jesus, like the real Jesus. That's where they will see Jesus, the real Jesus. That it's like, and the, and they'll they'll have started saying, man, I really see Jesus in you, right, Noah. But then eventually they'll come back to you and say, no, at first I believed because of what I saw in you, mm. but now I've seen him for myself. Yep. At first I believed because of your testimony, but now I've heard him for myself is what the, yeah. is what the Samaritan said yeah. uh, to, the, to the woman. But hopefully people will say, at first I believed because of what I saw in you and you and you to Noah and the people around him. Yep. But now I've seen him for myself, and I know that he is truly sent from God. He's truly the Messiah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so that's my hope for us is that people would see Jesus through us, mm. and we have to live this stuff out. Amen. Help us, Lord. Amen. So, Noah, you brought up some stuff about the woman at the well. Yeah, so Tozer reads a section of Scripture from John chapter 4, Uh that talks about like a day is coming and 
the day is this is Jesus's words. The day is coming and has now come that uh, the true Messiah is. I'm not when a, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and yeah, in truth. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but the question that she asked was because she was a Samaritan woman and they had a different uh, belief system about like the way it was that similar. They ought to worship similar to Judaism, but. A little bit, uh, a little bit different, and so she asks, like, your people worship, worship in the temple or worship in Jerusalem, but our people say we worship on this mountain. Like, which which is the right way to worship? Basically, he says, "Woman, the time is coming and has now come when yeah. the true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth." Yes, those are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks, because God is spirit, and so people must worship Him in spirit yeah. and in truth. Yeah. So she's. Asking a very where and when do I worship God? Yes. Question, which is sacrament of living stuff. Yes. She's asking, like, how do I really do this? Yes. Because Jesus just revealed his whole her whole life to her. If you read it, like, he straight up read her mail. At this and she point, she realizes, like, oh, you're a you you're at least a prophet. Yes. And so at this point, she's like this. This guy's this guy's got some sort of divine thing going on with him, and I'm gonna try to. Some people read this, and and I think they're like, oh, she's trying to trick him, because there's a lot of Pharisees that have been trying to trick Jesus. Yeah. But I really think she, I think she means it. Yes. I think she's genuine, and so she asks, like, how do I really do this thing? Mm. And his response is, this is how you really do this thing. Spirit. Yeah, it's sacrament of living, like. Uh, it's not a where and when. It's, it's spirit. Where's the spirit? Here. Yeah, and so at that time, the Spirit was still, the Holy, the Holy Spirit was still, uh, it was on Jesus and it would fill Jesus, and the Holy Spirit was, was kind of moving like it did throughout the Old Testament. Yeah. But that's, that's part of what Tozer talks about in this book, is how the veil being rendered, uh, or rended. Rended. Um, Ripped. Ripped. <laughs> uh, and uh, he talks about the veil being torn, and how that took the Holy of Holies and made it accessible. Like now, now the whole world can be the Holy of Holies. Yep. And so he has, he says a time is coming and has now come. So he's, he say it's coming like meaning like after the Holy of Holies is torn, but it's also now come. Cause like, I'm up like, in Like look place. at me and yes. what I'm doing and the way that I'm moving in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. And so it refers to the Holy Spirit. And I love the flow of the way that John uh, talks about the Holy Spirit throughout his gospel. Like uh, with Nicodemus, he's, he, he talks about the Holy Spirit, right? Because Nicodemus is like, how can I be born again? How must I go back into my mother's womb? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I just picture Nicodemus being this like fancy uh, Pharisee. And Jesus, Jesus says, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then he says, wind blows wherever it pleases. No one knows where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with those who are born of the Holy Spirit. And you're like... What? You know, like, it's like this kind of mysterious thing. And so he's introducing the spirit and he's saying, like, you have, like, this is what's necessary. You have to be born of the spirit. This is what's necessary if you're really going to pursue after me. Yeah. And then he gets to the woman at the well, the very next chapter. That's John 3. This is John 4. And with the woman at the well, he's saying, this is how you worship God truly is through the spirit. And then there's all kind of this other interactions, Holy Spirit stuff. But then by the end of it, the way that he says in John 14, he said, I'm not leaving you as orphans. Now let me tell you how that's going to work. The Holy Spirit is yep. going to come, right? He is going to be your companion, your comforter, your paraclete, the one who comes beside you. Yep. 
Holy Spirit. And he's like, and you're going to abide in me. Meaning that you're going to live with me. Meaning that every little thing you do is going to be with me. Meaning that you're going you're gonna to live out the sacrament of living where everything you do is going to be holy. And it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. Yep. And you're going to do even greater things than I've done. And, and he, he promises all this stuff, but the, the means by which it happens is like he's giving us his spirit. He says, it's better that I go so that you can receive the spirit. Yeah. So there's this thing of the spirit that has to be grasped in this, that we have to like, we have to understand that he is with us all, at all times. He's not bound to a place or a time or any of that. He's not bound to a Sunday morning. He's not bound to a Monday night for you Kai Alpha people. <laughs> he's not bound to your D group. Or Sunday mornings for you, Kyle, people. Go to church. Ooh, come on. You need to be the church, and you need to go to church. And I need to stop being out of town on Sunday mornings. Yeah, I heard that, bro. Yeah, but we're, we're just we're trying to take off all the limitations for you, and we're yeah. trying to open your mind. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you've heard talk like this, and maybe you have, so maybe it's just time for you to go figure this thing out on how to live it. But you've got to dig into this, man. If, we're, if you're going to learn anything from this whole podcast, uh, you've got to dig into this stuff and figure out how to make everything you do with the Lord for the Lord. Yes. And like, like, like everything you do, lay your motives before him and let him correct the why. Yeah, was there anything else with the woman at the well, Noah, that you were? I don't think so. I think I think that was mainly the, unless you're thinking of something. Okay, so I think it's a little bit meta. Okay. Okay. So Jesus is saying, uh, he's saying it's this is not limited to a, a time place. It's not limited. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a mountain or if it's a if it's a temple. Yeah. Right. Uh, so he's showing. He's saying by his words there that it's the sacrament of living. But also he's he's living it out because this woman met God at a well. Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. she wasn't limited to her mountain or his temple. Yeah. She well, met God at a well. In and, a very common place, public and, place. And and also whether eating or drinking, right? And Jesus came, he sat down at the well because he was tired from his journey. But also he asked her for a drink, drinking, and his disciples had gone into town to get him some food, eating. Yeah. You know, it's how this whole story is set up. And so, and it was after a long journey and he was tired. Yes. And so Jesus could have just been like, man, this is just a regular day. I've been doing ministry. I've been ministering to all these people, been healing all these people. Everyone who yeah. I meet knows me and wants something from me. I'm finally sitting down beside a woman who doesn't know me. Mm. And so I'm just going to chill and like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm so tired. I'm going to wait on my disciples to come back and they're going to bring me my food. I'm going to have some food. And, uh, and, and when they come back, maybe they'll have something I can, I can get some water with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But never, ever, ever did Jesus have a moment where he was away from God, mm. where he was away from his mission, where he was motivated by something other than God himself. Yeah. He did yeah. what he saw the Father doing. He said what he heard the Father saying. And what he said to the disciples when they got back is he said, open your eyes. There's a harvest field. You missed it. Mm -hmm. And my food, I've already been fed. My food is to do this, the will of my Father that you just saw me do with this woman. So whether eating or drinking, there's nothing commonplace for Jesus. And sitting beside this woman at the well, he could have just had a commonplace time. And then we would have never heard about this. Mm, But what he did there impacted John in such a way that John made sure to include this woman in his gospel when no one else did. Yep. Mm-hmm. It impacted John. And like this may have even looked commonplace to everyone else. Like this wasn't feeding of 5,000 people, right? Yeah. 
this is just one random woman from Samaria, but John made sure to include her because it impacted yes. him in a way. And there's probably all kind of more even symbolism that goes with it. Yes. But this is kind of a meta thing. Whether eating or drinking, everything I'm doing is for God, is for his glory. Yeah. Jesus was never on break. He didn't want a break. He got he got fed from it. Yeah. There's something here that if we can if we can tap into this, this is what life is all about. This is what living is. That living selflessly doesn't drain you. Right? Mm-hmm. Because your motive isn't for people, your motive you're being motivated by God. And what better motivator is there and what more energizing thing is there than the giver of life himself? No doubt. Jesus was full, right? Jesus was full of it. He was. Whatever what was you, it? The Holy Spirit. Holy Go ahead. Spirit. I was just gonna say, whenever you said it was meta, it reminded it just made me think of that meme with Keanu Reeves. He's like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he's like from the yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah. So he's telling the woman about about sacrament of living, but he was also living sacrament of living. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, which is like everything Jesus yeah. does is meta. Let's be honest. You know, like everything yeah. has a has a has a bigger thing yeah. going on than mm-hmm. what you realize in the he's moment. He's teaching us about how to live life while he's living life. Dang, son. Yeah. And that there's no, like you were just saying, just to reiterate, like there's no sacred place in Jesus. Like that, the woman at the well met God at a well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that it's like we can we can meet God standing in line at McDonald's. Yes. So. It's like, where can I go to meet God? It's like, well, where are you at? Yeah. Yep. There. Yeah. Yep. Well, when, well, when am I going to get to meet him? Well, when are you? Yeah. Then. Yeah. You know, it's like whenever you want to tap in, whenever you want to take advantage, he's made himself available. He literally died to make himself available. He gave mm-hmm. everything so that, so that he could be available to you. And so you can't wait on him and say, God, whenever you want to come and, and make yourself known to me, then like, no, he's already given everything he can't give anymore. And if that's not enough for you, then there, he has nothing more to give. He gave his very life. Yeah. And if you hear about him, then, that, then take advantage of it. Dig in, dig in. We here in America... Man, we have so much opportunity. We hear about Jesus from the time that we're little, and we have so many English versions of the Bible. And so, like, you can say, man, when I read the Bible, it doesn't really this, this, and that. Man, you've got to get over it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I already talked about Brother Dirk, right, in this podcast, on one of them. But this old yeah. cowboy from Cross, mm-hmm. shout out Brother Dirk, he learned to read the Bible. Uh, he, he learned to read, period, by reading the King James Bible because <laughs> he was so hungry for Jesus. Just an old cow poke, he didn't there need to learn how to read. But he learned to because he loved Jesus. I love it, dude. Yeah. And so you'll figure it out. And 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 man, there's there's so many like translations out there. You can find a Bible that fits your your yeah. way of hearing and your way of understanding. People have done a lot of Jesus has done everything for you. People have done a lot of stuff for you. And so you've got to press into this thing and you've got to pursue God. And if yep. you feel like you don't have any fight, ask God for more fight. If you feel like you don't have any energy, ask God for more energy. If you just come and get blunt with God. Do you see how blunt the woman at the well was with Jesus? She was kind of giving him a hard time, if you read through yeah. the story. She was like, why are you talking to me? First, first thing she said to him. Second thing she said to him was like, you ain't even got a bucket. How are you going to get water? Right? And then she's like, oh, who, and who do you think you are? You think you're greater than our father, Jacob? And then, like, and then she's like, I see that you're a prophet. Well, let me ask this, uh, this uh, religiously and politically loaded question and see how you, you feel this one, Jesus. You know? And like, she just gets real blunt with him. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she walks away knowing him and having seen him. It's beautiful, dude. She wasn't one to uh, 
think of her dealings with God um, carefully. Like he talks about in, was it, is it in chapter one or two? Whenever he's like, those of you who deal with, uh, people who deal with God, like, carefully or they think that they need to be careful and tiptoe around their dealings with God whenever they think they need to get rid of something. Um, uh, yeah, if says, you're, if says, you're blunt, if you mean it, if you're yeah. genuine, like you'll make it so much easier for yourself because you'll get into the good land in two weeks. He says be severe. Years. Yes. Be severe. severe in your dealings with God. Yeah. Yes. Be violent in, in your yeah. way of like dealing with your life and yeah. getting honest with it. Yeah. Yes. That's good. There's men of God in my life that they'll say they'll be ruthlessly consecrated mm. because they mean it so much. Yeah. But. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you guys have anything else to add? Is there part of this that we were, that we mentioned before that we need to make sure and hit? Uh, I think we did pretty well about, as far as I know, but there is one thing that I just wanted to um, touch on. So Tozer, Tozer kind of calls out a specific uh, worshiping group of Jesus. Mm. Um, and I think Tozer would agree that like, uh, that doesn't mean all people in that group, like don't know God or don't, don't love Jesus. Um, and even with like, uh, with like practicing, practicing some of the things that he's talking about, like recognizing Good Friday, recognizing Easter, Mm -hmm. and even the things that we've talked about. Um, like we, I think we touched it a little bit, but I just yep. want to clarify even more of like, I think really even what he's talking about, it all comes back down to motives yep. about yes. like, it's good for us to be reminded of, of God's sacrifice. And it's good for me yes. to be reminded of these things. And I love being reminded. And so like, if, if I, if I even practice something because I love just being reminded yes. of something, yeah. like there's this one time I killed a goat. Um, Let's go, Kev. And it wasn't because I was like atoning for by my the sins. power of your biceps, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's the way. Uh, honestly, that's the way a lot of the world lives, and that's the way. Like, I had a Saudi Arabian friend, and so to, for them to eat uh, halal, uh, which is like kosher, <laughs> um, they had to slaughter their own animal. And it, I've always been interested in doing it, just because that's the way that like uh, the ancient Israel's like that's the way that they like worshipped in some cases, and yeah. um, and that's the way that the majority of the world gets meat. Um, but in our culture, we just don't do that. And so yes. I was just interested in, like, experiencing that, but I was not doing it in, like, trying to atone for my sins yes, or yeah. anything yeah. like that. And so Yeah, because um, you knew that you yes. already had an atonement. Yes. yes, Jesus is my atonement, and I yes. do nothing more. But certainly, this could remind you of his slaughtering. Yes. Yeah. And push you back to him. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and so I just want to say even just, like, uh, if we if we we don't have to like argue with people who practice these things, we don't have to yeah. argue with anybody. Yeah, because really they could do it, and like it could really connect them to God for sure. Because it's a reminder for them. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I think the dangerous part that Tozer is talking about though is to set those things aside and say God is in these places or in yes. these days. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and he's and he's pretty like he's really trying to say like. If you limit yourself to these days, yeah. then you're a horse running back into a burning building. Right. You're going back to an old, old dead thing, right? Right. Uh, that, but like certainly, you know, like uh, I, I rest on Saturdays, mm-hmm. but Jesus is my Sabbath rest. And and according yeah. to Hebrews four, every day that is called today is Sabbath rest yeah. for me. 
because Jesus fulfilled rest right. in a way that like I'm able to partake in it all the time. But still, I'll take a Saturday and relax or do yeah. or do whatever, you know, like I'll have Sabbath time or sometimes it's Sabbath time on a, on a different time other than Saturday. But it's it is kind of consecrated or set apart time that is for Sabbath particularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But it, if it start if that starts to be the only time that I Sabbath, then I'm running back into a burning That's building. That's right. Because right. I have right. to Sabbath all the time, according to Hebrews 4. That's right. Yeah. We have access all the time, no matter where we are, when we are. Yeah. Yeah. Or he he calls on the other extreme to not necessarily to call him out, but he talks about the Quakers and how they don't celebrate um, like specific uh, specific righteous holy days. Yeah, holy days, and uh, it as we were reading it, like stuck out to me that. Even, even if you were to say, oh, there aren't any holy days, and then you stick to there's not any holy days without the heart, without the motivation of every day is holy or everything I do can be holy if mm-hmm. I'm doing it with the Holy Spirit, if I'm with God and living the thousand thought prayer life. If you're just buying into a system, and you think that the system is what is going to allow you to connect with God without any heart motivation, even yet yeah, you're right back into the same slavery. Like That's right. even it's not about the days. It's not about the yes. place. It's not about the the method. It's not about whether it actually turns into blood or not or flesh. Mm-hmm. And it's not about whether it's a sin to celebrate Christmas. People believe that, like, what what matters is that people are are uh, actually being obedient to like what the Lord is is asking th- them to do personally. That'll line up with Scripture, obviously. Um, so some stuff, some stuff in, yeah, some stuff's just not right, and and you have to like weigh truth and weigh calling and weigh like the word of the Lord personally in your life and what He's asking you to do. You have to. Take that back to scripture and see if that's see if that's real or yeah. not in in the word. Yes. Not just because some man, man, like even if he's a priest or even if he's a pastor or even if he's a guy that's really loved you super super well and told you that this is true, just because that person told you something doesn't make it true. Taking it to the word and figuring out if it's actually true is it's what's gonna like guide you into actually following like the Lord's uh, direction for your life personally. Let's go. You have to have it uh, like that personal connection with the Lord and like have that stuff line up with the word, not yes. just because someone else told you to. Yeah. And back to what we said, an experience with the Lord with the word, like God will do the explaining. Yes. And and really that's where digging in the word becomes so important, you know, because there are some things that are like that Paul would take a hard stance on and be like, if you don't believe this, then I wish the worst for you. You right. know, like if and if you're really saying if you're going to lead others astray, uh, and but then there are some things where he was like, man, these people eat meat and these don't, and it's all unto God. And so uh, it's like basically don't like it's it's all unto God, and so it's good for the one who is yes. eating and it's good for the one who is not. You yes. know, and so but only scripture, scripture, scripture. Uh, reading scripture, being led by the Holy Spirit as we read it, is what's going to help us. You know. Yes. Um, and really diving in and being able to understand scripture. So right. we want to see you, Jesus.
We want to see you, Lord. Uh, we want to know you. We want everything in our life to be given over to you. We want every every hour of our life, every minute to be lived with you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Cool. So you think we've hit everything? Yeah. Do you think we hit the, uh, it's okay to celebrate uh, Easter and Christmas hard enough? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so. I mean. I think I would just add on to the end of it is that above all, we have to pursue unity in the body of Christ and not be divisive and cause division yeah. over methods and over like really when it comes down to knowing God, really inconsequential stuff. We cannot make it our, uh, we can't be mercenaries for small truths right. that don't promote like unity in the body of Christ. Yeah, and here's and here's what I really come down to, y'all with that stuff is like and even what he's really getting at a lot in this book is I know that theology is super important but what are you actually living with your life and mm-hmm. what are you actually doing with your life like and what fruit is is coming from your life you know yeah. and so that's where he's getting into like if you'll live this stuff out and God will use your life God will do great things through you yeah and I think with the like the holidays the like special days those things um yeah, I think, like I said, it all comes down to motives. And if, if your motive is like, even with what I was talking about, about like killing a goat, atoning for sins kind of stuff, if your motive is, man, I feel really dirty and I can't wait for Lent so that I so that I can like be right before God or I can't wait for, because uh, if I do Christmas hard enough, I know like I won't feel dirty anymore. Yes, if Easter's going to take care of me and my Christian religion. Yeah, and so it's like... uh that obviously like God is our atonement. Like Jesus has atoned for us on the cross. And so like we can't look at days to do that. We have to look at the cross. And so, yeah, I think just as long as it's our motives are, are we want to be reminded of God. We want to be near to God. Amen. That's, that's right. Amen. It's all about you, Jesus. You're all the glory is yours. All right. So I'm going to read this last chapter one more time. And then uh, I'm going to read the prayer. The chapter? Oh, not the last chapter. I'm going to read the last paragraph. Oh, I can't believe I said chapter. The layman need never think of his humbler task. Uh, Sorry. The layman need never think of his humbler task as being inferior to that of his minister. Amen? Amen. Let every man abide in the calling wherein he is called. And his work will be as sacred as the work of the minister. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It is why he does it. Let a man sanctify the Lord God in his heart. And he can thereafter do no common act. All uh, All he does is good and acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For such a man, living itself will be sacramental and the whole world a sanctuary. His entire life will be, uh, will be a priestly ministration. As he performs his never-so-simple task, he will hear the voice of the seraphim saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The, the whole earth is full of his glory. He's talking about every, every simple task or never-so-simple task. It'll be, it'll be like you're right there in the presence of God as he's seated on his throne. Yeah. Let's pray this prayer. Lord, I would trust thee completely. Amen. I would be altogether thine. 
I would exalt thee above all. I desire that I may feel no sense of possessing anything outside of thee. I want constantly to be aware of thy overshadowing presence and to hear thy speaking voice. I long to live in restful sincerity of heart. I want to live so fully in the spirit that all my thoughts may be as sweet as incense ascending to thee and every act of my life may be an act of worship. Therefore, I pray in the words of thy great servant of old, I beseech thee, so for to cleanse the intent of mine heart with the unspeakable gift of thy grace, that I may perfectly love thee and worthily praise thee. In all this I confidently believe thou wilt grant me through the merits of Jesus Christ, thy son. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. So he kind of prays back through every chapter of his book uh, and prays those things over us, uh, and we want to receive those things. So thank you guys so much for joining us for this book. I really hope that this book impacts your life the way that it's impacted our lives, and I really hope that we've helped you in some way. The reality is if you would just read this book with the Holy Spirit, then it would impact your life. But I hope that the conversation has that we've spoken about here has done some things to to maybe jog you uh, into thinking of things and considering things and reflecting on your own life in response to the chapter and maybe giving you a sense of community uh, that maybe you couldn't have had during this time of like the COVID-19 and stuff like that. Uh, Giving you a sense of community as you've you've walked through this book. So we love y'all and uh, our prayer is that we would live this thing out uh, and that you would live this thing out. So. Amen. Amen.